of it with a view to their inheritances and then come to me they shall divide it into seven portions Judah shall continue in his territory on the south and the house of Joseph shall continue in their territory on the north and you shall describe the land in seven divisions and bring the description here to me And I will cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. The Levites have no portion among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. And Gad and Reuben and half of the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan eastward, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. So the men arose and went And Joshua charged those who went to write the description of the land, saying, Go up and down in the land, and write a description, and return to me. And I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went and passed up and down in the land, and wrote in a book a description of it by towns in seven divisions. When they came to Joshua to the camp at Shiloh, And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel, to each his portion. The lot of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to its clans, came up. And the territory allotted to it fell between the people of Judah and the people of Joseph. On the north side, their boundary began at the Jordan. Then the boundary goes up to the shoulder north of Jericho, then up through the hill country westward, and it ends at the wilderness of Beth-Avon. From there, the boundary passes along southward in the direction of Luz, to the shoulder of Luz, that is Bethel. Then the boundary goes down to Ataroth-Adar, on the mountain that lies south of lower Beth-Horon. Then the boundary goes in another direction, turning on the western side, southward, from the mountain that lies to the south, opposite Beth Horon, and it ends at Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jerem, a city belonging to the people of Judah. This forms the western side. And the southern side begins at the outskirts of Kiriath Jerem. And the boundary goes from there to Ephron, to the spring of the waters of Nephtoah. Then the boundary goes down to the border of the mountain that overlooks the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is at the north end of the valley of Rephaim. 
And it then goes down the valley of Hinnom, south of the shoulder of the Jebusites, and downward to Onrogel. Then it bends in a northerly direction, going on to Enshemesh, and from there goes to Gililoth, which is opposite the ascent of Adamon. Then it goes down to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben, and passing on to the north of the shoulder of Beth Arabah, it goes down to the Arabah. Then the boundary passes on to the north of the shoulder of Beth Hogla, and the boundary ends at the northern bay of the Salt Sea, at the south end of the Jordan. This is the southern border. Then Jordan forms its boundary on the eastern side. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin, according to their clans, boundary by boundary, all around. Now the cities of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to their clans, were Jericho, Beth Hogla, Emachezes, Beth Araba, Samarim, Bethel, Avim, Para, Ophrah, Chephar, Ammonai, Ophni, Geba, twelve cities with their villages, and Gibeon, Ramah, Beeroth, Mizpah, Jephira, Musa, Rechem, Irpil, Tarala, Zela, Haleth, Jebus, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, and Kiriath Jerem. Fourteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin according to its class. One of the things I have been so thankful for as we have worked our way through the book of Joshua is the focus on heaven. And our songs this morning, you may have noticed, were all to try and get us to focus on the the day when we will praise and worship with all God's people in heaven. We've been pushed as we've gone through Joshua to think about that eternal rest that God will provide for us through Jesus Christ. But for just a moment, I want us to think about what is the goal of heaven? What is the real goal of heaven? Well, it's worship. It's worship. The center, the focus of heaven will be the worship of God. And it's important we're reminded of that. Because we can sometimes be so caught up with the many benefits to us that heaven will bring that we may actually forget the main focus is worship of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just this week, um, our kids got a day off school waiting for a a PCR to come back, and they were buzzing about the benefits of being at home. They got the uniform off, got the comfy clothes on, began to plan all they would do, asked could they go and bring their friends out, are like, no, the point of you being at home is to isolate and also to do a normal day's schoolwork. But they somehow miss the focus of being at home. As we move into Joshua 18, we take a moment to step back from allocating lands and focus on worship. 
are just two main points this morning. One is worship and the other is work. So let's think about worship. Look at chapter 18, verse 1. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. One commentator says that this one verse is arguably the focal point of chapter 13 to 21. That's this whole section on allotting land. Another says that this one verse is the book's narrative, geographic and theological centre. In other words, the purpose in all we have spoken about in chapters 13 to 21, and in fact we could say the focus of all of Joshua may be found here in chapter 18 verse 1, and that focus is worship. Now up until this point, Israel's central camp, the place where the tent of meeting was, that is the place where where God's people would worship God through sacrifice, the place of God's special presence with his people, up until this point, that place had been at Gilgal, which is situated close to Jericho, which is probably a natural place to have it, because as they crossed the Jordan, they were close to there. Back in chapter 4, we see that where God's people crossed the River Jordan and they encamped at Gilgal. In chapter 5, it was at Gilgal that God's people were circumcised in obedience to God and it was there that the Passover was observed. More recently, we saw in chapter 14, 6 that the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And that just tells us that the centre of the people of Israel was at this place, Gilgal. Now here in chapter 18, the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. Shiloh is a good 20 miles north of Jericho. It's in the territory that was allotted to Ephraim, about 10 miles north of Bethel. God's people, they have moved the centre of worship and so the centre of life as God's people from one place, Gilgal, to another place, Shiloh. Now Shiloh would remain the centre of worship for many, many years. It would remain to Joshua's death through the time of the judges, right into the time of the monarchy, right to the time of King David, who then moved Israel's centre of worship to Jerusalem. But this choosing a central place of worship in the promised land is fulfilling and is in obedience to God's word to his people. In Leviticus 26, as God was preparing his people for the promised land, God says in verse 11, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. And we see this again in Deuteronomy. This one is worth looking up. Look up Deuteronomy chapter 12 for me. Deuteronomy chapter 12. 
And we'll read verses 4 to 7 together. Now again, this is God's people being prepared for life in the promised land. And we read in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 4. You shall not worship God in the way the other nations do. But verse 5, you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and put his habitation there. There you shall go and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, and all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. If you look further down to verse 10, when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, And when he gives you rest from all your enemies around, so that you live in safety, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, and so forth. That is where you will worship and sacrifice. Furthermore, verse 12, it's reiterated, you shall rejoice before the Lord. And verse 14, at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. So here in Joshua 18, according to God's word, his people have made a center of sacrifice and worship in Shiloh, in the territory of Ephraim. And at this point, they are offering faithful worship in obedience to the Lord, as the Lord has said. Their worship is faithful. They are rejoicing, as God said, joyful in what God has given. And they are worshipping in a place of safety, as God said, as the land is subdued before them. God has given them control of the land. They are not in fear of enemies. God's people are in this new place in the presence of God. It's a new day for the people of God, free to worship God wholeheartedly and sincerely without distraction. We come forward to the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. And before the birth of Jesus Christ, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesied of another day when God's people would be delivered from enemies, where they would serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness um, before him forever. And still today we look forward to a new day of worship coming for the people of God. John speaks about this further in Revelation 21, where he speaks about a new day, a new heaven, a new earth. Verse 3 of Revelation 21, we read, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. Then verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Verse 24, we see that all the nations will be together. Verse 27, we see that nothing unclean will enter it. And in those verses, we can see the many benefits of heaven, God's presence with us, free from suffering, enjoying the community of all God's people. Well, we turn to Revelation 5 and we see the focus, the real focus of heaven will be worship of the Lamb who was slain. That is Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, took our place on the cross and freed us from sin to be able to worship God. Revelation 1. You see, in that new day, as we see Joshua pointing us to, God's people, that is those who are trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we will worship God faithfully with no temptation to sin or stray from the worship of God. God's people will worship God joyfully rejoicing that we are no longer experiencing any consequences of sin. God's people will worship God safely, having conquered the enemies of sin and death and the devil. You see, God's people are given victory over sin. They are given an eternal place of rest so that they would offer eternal, undistracted worship to God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. focus and the center of heaven will forever be sacrifice and worship. The Westminster Shorter Catechism states man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We will know full enjoyment. We will know full satisfaction. We will know full blessing when we truly, fully worship God in that new day. Now, in light of that picture in view, we want to think now about working for God on our way to that day. Let's not forget Here in Joshua, God's people have been given a role by God to do in this land that he has given them. Now, as you know, chapters 13 to 21 um, has been all about distributing the land that God is giving to his people. We know those two and a half tribes, Gad, Reuben, and the half tribe of Manasseh were given land east of the Jordan. Chapter 13 covered that. Chapters 14 and 15. 15, we consider the allotment to Judah. Chapter 16 and 17, then, we considered the allotment to the tribe of Joseph. 
and there was considerable detail given to these prominent tribes. Now chapters 18 and 19 give the allotment to the other seven tribes and finally then in the closing verses to Joshua. But here today chapter 18 focuses on the tribe of Benjamin and you will be able to see the divisions of boundaries and cities which hopefully you are familiar with by now. And as these seven tribes await their allotment They have come together here with the people of God to worship God. And so as they think about receiving their allotment, they are assured of God's power and presence with them to enable them to do all that is required. And we know the presence and power of God with his people has been a repeated theme through Joshua. We've seen it chapter after chapter after chapter. God is with you, therefore, go. When I did some study in biblical counselling, the goal of that course was really one-to-one ministering within the local church. And one of the things we took quite some time to think about was the presence of Christ with us. And one of our assignments was to strive to just simply be more aware of the presence of Christ in our interactions with each other in the local church and then how that might direct our conversations and interactions differently. And I wonder how that might change the way we all live day by day. If we were really aware of the presence of Christ with us, what difference would this make? These tribes, they have again been assured of the presence of God with them. Now it's up to them to take action. And again, it brings us to to this biblical tension, which again we've seen clearly through Joshua. And the tension is between God's sovereignty, what God is doing in this world, and then our responsibility to take action. One thing you'll notice here is is that every tribe is mentioned. Judah and Joseph are mentioned in verse 5. And the Levites are mentioned in verse 7. The tribes that received land on the east side of the Jordan are all also mentioned in verse 7. And the mention of all tribes, it's a good reminder that all tribes are equal. All tribes are part of the one, the people of God. Every tribe has received an inheritance from God. But God has been in control over the lot each time. God has been in control over which piece of land is given to which tribe. God has been in control over which tribes are fighting which enemies over how long or how short it may take to conquer. And certainly here in chapter 18, there is an emphasis on God's control. Look at verse 6. Joshua says, You shall describe the land in seven divisions. Okay, That's what the people are to do. And then he says, I will cast lots before the Lord. 
the Lord is ultimately controlling and deciding this. Look at verse 8. So the men arose and went. That's the responsibility of the people. That is what they are doing. And Joshua says, I will cast lots for you before the Lord in Shiloh. The Lord is ultimately controlling and deciding this. And look at verse 10. Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel to each his portion. Joshua apportioned the land to the people. That's what he was to do. But the Lord was ultimately controlling and deciding this. It's important for us to remember this today as we strive to continue to serve God here in Craig Avon. We trust we are equal heirs with all other local churches and in fact all of God's people everywhere of all time. But we realize too that under the Lord's control and direction, he has placed us here in Craigavon, but while he has placed others in different places. Some in other places will have different challenges to us. Some in other places will find service and evangelism for God easier than we do. Some will find it more difficult. But, but we trust and the lot that God has given us here. This is where God has placed us for now. This is where God wants us to work. And I believe this vision of God's control will and should motivate us to continue serving God and to prevent us from becoming discontent when perhaps we might look at the lot God has given his people in other places. So as we work for God towards this final day, we need to know that God is in control. And then we need good leadership. Regarding the work that God's people are to do, Joshua is playing a key role here. Now, we haven't thought about Joshua as a leader in some time, but it's worth noting here, he demonstrates really very wise leadership. If God's people are going to serve God in the way he wants them to, this will require wise leadership. Look at what Joshua says to the people of Israel in verse 3. He says, how long will you put off? Excuse me. How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord the God of your fathers has given you. Now here we see both a rebuke and an encouragement from Joshua. And in this we are again seeing this tension between what God is doing and the responsibility of his people. In so many words, Joshua is saying, it is time to get up and get on with this, sit around no longer. Joshua sees this as a crucial time to take action. We might say that the back has been broke on Canaan. 
The Israelites currently have the upper hand. Now is the time to keep going and keep moving and keep fighting on. Now is not the time to slack. But with this rebuke and challenge comes that same encouragement again. The Lord has given you this. The Lord is doing this. Therefore, stop wasting time. Get up. Go. Keep going, Joshua says. He takes leadership by challenging and encouraging God's people. Then he puts a plan in place and he directs the people what they are to do. From verse 4, he says, Take three men from each tribe and send them out to go up and down the land. Write a description and then bring it back to me. And he says that the other tribes are, are in their parts. They're getting on with what they're meant to do. This is what you are meant to do. And Joshua says, I will wait here and I will cast lots before the Lord. So he gives them very clear instructions and again this brings a challenge to us here today it brings a challenge to our leadership in Craigavon Baptist one of our roles as elders is to challenge and encourage each member to be getting on with what God has called them to do and so part of what we need to do is to continually reassess, discuss, be sure that our focus is on that very thing. And then we need to take steps to prepare, to plan, to direct you in the things that God wants you to be doing. And it's important that that each of us remembers that, that the role of leadership within the local church It's not to do all the work of ministry, but as Paul writes to the Ephesians, is to equip each member to be involved in the work of ministry. Each elder is a church member, and we're all working together towards what God wants us to do here in Craigavon. And I would say the same principle applies to to those of you who are are leaders perhaps in other contexts here in kids' work or with music or with with Bible studies or or whatever else. Your role is to continually bring those you are serving with back to what God has called them to do. Help them keep that focus. Perhaps probe a little bit, challenge a little bit. Plan with them. Give them direction. My experience is that clear direction is always very welcome. Don't be afraid to do this. And don't forget to keep encouraging. God has placed you here. God has a role for you here. God is with you. God is working. So to continue working for God... We've got to know that God is in control where he has placed us. We need wise leadership. And then we've got to go do it. We've got to go and do it. Listen to what Dale Ralph Davis says. He says, Yahweh's promises are intended not as sedatives 
but as stimulants. Isn't that good? God's promises are not intended as sedatives, but as stimulants. In other words, when we hear these great promises of God, what God has promised to do in this world and what he has promised to do through the church, we don't rest on our laurels and say, great, God is doing this all. No. We say, wow. God has promised to work and move and transform lives. This is what I'm about. I'm getting up. I'm getting on with this. We think of the Great Commission, Matthew 28. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Okay, so it says this is who God is. He will accomplish his mission through his own power. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded them. We see again, this is what God is doing. This is your role and responsibility. We see this principle very clearly in 2 Peter. In 2 Peter 1, 3, we read that God's divine, sorry, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. See, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And then Peter says, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with knowledge, with self-control, with steadfastness, with godliness, with brotherly affection, with love. You see, this is what God is doing. This is your role and responsibility. So here's the thing, if we want to continue to grow in godliness, and I'm guessing we all do, yes, we've got to trust that is what God is doing in our lives. God has given us everything we need for that. But then we've got to get up and we've got to do it. We've got to stop sinning. We've got to fight it. We've got to get help. We've got to talk to each other. We've got to get support from brothers and sisters here. If we want to grow in unity and love for each other, which I'm sure we all do, and we know that that is what God is working towards in our lives, well then we, we've got to get up. We've got to meet together. We, we've got to engage in meaningful conversations. We, we've got to show patience and kindness and gentleness and, and so forth. And of course we want to see new believers come to faith in Jesus Christ. We want to see them added to this local church. We we want to see them join in that eternal song of praise to God. We know, we believe that is what God is doing. We want to pray and pray and pray and keep praying towards that. But we've got to get up and we've got to go. There is no shortage of people outside these doors who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will we get up? Will we go? Will you strike up conversation with someone? Will you ask them out for coffee? Will you ask them to study scripture together? Will will you give them the message of, of Christ? 
God has sent Christ to live a perfect life, to die in the place of sinners, to be raised from the dead, offering the hope of life forever. He has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us for witness. That same Holy Spirit will cause others to see the truth. That's what God is doing. Will we get up and take the message of Christ? I said Joshua was able to see that um, God's people were were at a a crucial and an opportune time. We, we have spent about two and a half years here waiting and praying, and I know even longer than before I was here, but waiting, praying for God to move. We, we saw that so key that we needed to do that together. Just wait and pray and wait and pray. And, and of course, COVID has, has really given us that time so much more. And, and yet people perhaps around us, they've, They've spent a lot of this this time just gradually, possibly rapidly losing hope. Now we trust, we trust in the Lord's control for those times that we couldn't interact and engage in the way we wanted to. But as we have waited and as we have prayed, and as people have become more and more needy for lasting hope, I believe we are coming into a crucial and an opportune time for evangelism. So I want to challenge us this morning. It's time to get up and it's time to go. And I want to encourage us. The Lord is with us. God will do this. To him be glory. Let us pray.